0: We're all part of the mafia, guys. It's okay.
1: Welcome to the Bearly Saved Podcast, where we
0: have the discussions
2: real Christians don't have. Here's your hosts
0: I'm Rebecca.
3: I'm Lindsay.
1: I'm Caleb. I'm Mike we have a new guest here. You guys know me and Rebecca and Lindsay. We're here most of the time. I'm here all of the time so far, but I'm the only one. I'm the only one left from the original four. I know. Last week, I broke my perfect record. And my internet is being bad, so I don't know if you can hear me.
0: Oh, Caleb is freezing, but uh, we'll introduce our guest, who is Mr. Mike. Mike, who are you?
2: Who am I? I am a pastor in an undisclosed location working for an undisclosed organization.
0: Yeah, we're taking over the podcast. He's close to me. We'll just put it like that. And then I'm like, and I work for the same group.
1: <laughs> so he's he's one of those West Coast liberals. 100%.
2: Proudly. I'm the most liberal person in my area.
1: That's not hard.
0: Yeah, I'm sure you and our former director... Probably butted heads on some things in politics.
2: I think so. He never told me. He he would never tell me his positions. He was really annoying about that.
0: Which is probably a good thing.
2: It's 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 really cool, but also I just want to know.
0: <laughs> uh, had he stopped saying commies?
2: Yes, but I think I said it more than <laughs> him in a sarcastic, satirical tone.
0: Yeah, like that was his like go to just like you know the computer's not working and <laughs> he's commies. <laughs> and so now like I've started. Nate and I have been. Doing it since we left college because we picked it up right. Except now I go capitalists.
3: As we yeah.
1: <laughs>
3: but you really can blame most of the problems we're experiencing from capitalism. I know.
1: So you can blame the problems that we're experiencing on capitalism because we have a capitalist society. Well, yeah. However, if we had a communist society, the problems we would then be experiencing would be communist.
3: They'd be different problems, but yes. That's what I'm saying, the problems that we are currently experiencing along with colonialism, imperialism, basically all the terrible things that happened to Africa, South America.
1: I just want to make it clear that we are against all of the worldly power structures and not just capitalism.
2: Some are less
3: bad than others.
2: But colonialism was fine because white people, they saved all of those poor uh, other countries. Oh. Yeah.
0: Oh, I just love hearing Lindsay cringe like that. It's really fun.
3: It's okay. So I have a friend who is a political science major out here. And his favorite joke now is when somebody asks him what he does, he stops. He's like, stop at that communist, like Marxist nonsense, right? Because he's like, I haven't, I, I, I'm going to ask him how he says it and I'll get back to you guys. But basically, the joke is like defining him by his, like, position and vocation is very much like a Marxist thing about defining people by their role in society being only what they produce. And so he, so he asks everyone who's like, you know, like he's like, wait, I thought you didn't like communism. Like, stop with this, like Marxist nonsense.
0: That's an amazing way to like put people
1: off their guard on that. That's, okay, but that's not just a Marxist thing. Like that capitalism too.
3: Yeah, but he uses it in that everyone is complaining about stuff and he's like defining yourself persi- like explicitly by your like production. By what you, how you benefit society.
1: Okay, but that's not a Marxist thing to do. That's a behavior that Marx describes. That's a capitalist thing. So that's not, that's not Marxist stuff. Like he's just wrong about that. That's not a Marxist behavior. That's a capitalist behavior.
3: Hattig, I probably worded it wrong,
0: but it's making, it's just making a point though about the the
1: accusations of- Well, it's fine. You can call it, you can call it Marxist.
3: It's like when you remind people that the US military is like the largest socialistic organization in the world. And then they freak out, <laughs> uh, which
0: maybe isn't a great argument for
3: Socialism, But it is better than other people get though, right? Like, so my dad's in the VA and he has access to medical care. He wouldn't have if he did not have the VA. Yeah, and the VA is not great, but it's better than nothing. And so it's like, it's not that the VA is terrible, so we should get rid of it. It's like, well, let's just make it better then because it's still better than nothing.
1: It's better than having to pay off medical debt from somebody who died years ago.
3: That is like
0: such insult to injury.
1: It's like, oh, he died, but I still have to pay his hospital bills. <laughs>
2: that that little music thing though is is my favorite i want it to be my ringtone and my alarm tone i love it i love didgeridoos. i want one
0: they are i learned how to play one at music camp in middle school can you do circular breathing no no i cannot i never i never managed to do that That as if it's less of a it's less of a thing for like trumpet players to figure out how to do than like it seems like saxophone players always could figure out how to do it like in jazz band were you a trumpet player rebecca yeah i, I came to central as a music major initially hey i was a music major initially too <laughs> yep and then i realized i didn't want to sell my soul or
2: practice that much i quit band in the 10th grade when my uh, director was being a.
0: oh that's unfortunate
2: it really was i love i love music
0: i yeah i was i was all the way through like my my band director in high school like hired me two years the, the two years so subsequent when i like um, after I graduated
3: marching band camp
0: yeah to be the marching band assistant actually it was really tough coming to Central's marching program when I came because they were crappy
3: yes that was my college yes
0: my like section leader freshman year I love her dearly like I'm still friends with her on Facebook and she's a great human but she was not a marching person and so here I am having like come off of like helping coach my high school marching band who like did really well in competitions And my section leader, like, didn't know how to call Mark Time correctly. And I was like, I'm the freshman trumpet. I cannot correct. Nope. Nope. I can't do it. Oh, I can't be that freshman.
1: You could have. You probably should have been. It's okay. So we did fine. We went a long ways off from just simply playing Did You Know music. Shocking. Lindsay, what's our story?
3: (laughs) Our story is that Dolly Parton is a saint. Amen. I, yeah, I love Dolly Parton. I've always loved Dolly Parton. She's a hoot. Um,
1: Oh, but it's a guardian story.
3: I can find other ones. I was, we have CNN, Washington Post.
1: No, just keep it, it's fine. It's okay.
3: BBC, here, I found BBC, we'll use BBC.
1: We have to appear unbiased in our news. So that's why I choose Fox News when I can. Although I can't do that anymore, so.
3: Fun side note, they argued in a case about libel or slander that they were not actually news but news entertainment so they could not be held accountable for slander.
1: Certain programs are news entertainment and not news.
3: Yeah, like Tucker Carlson, for example. Yeah, I think that's who it was. Dolly Parton gave a million dollars to the Vanderbilt University Medical Center in Nashville. And basically, her funding ended up going straight to the Moderna vaccine there, or went to the, a large part of it went to funding one of the vaccines um, for coronavirus, and she's just really excited. Um, because, okay, this is what I love about Dolly Parton, right? So they're talking to her about her millions of dollars, her million dollars that went to fund this vaccine and her response talking to the BBC. I'm sure many millions of dollars from many people went into that. And I'm like, I freaking love Dolly Parton, man. They're like trying to honor her. And she's like, no, lots of people are generous. It's not just me.
1: Which is exactly what I thought when I first saw the news story yesterday. It was like, why is that a news story? She gave a million dollars. Like lots of people gave a million dollars. They just didn't choose one that came up as fast. So I, too, was confused as to why it was why it was news.
3: I think partly she's country, so people assume that she's going to be a coronavirus isn't a thing.
1: Oh, well, she's just, and she's loved by everybody because she's Dolly Parton.
3: And apparently Dolly Parton's books have given, according to one of the people on her staff, have basically the people who order the most books, organizational-wise, Amazon, Barnes & Noble's, Dolly Parton's organization, her imagination library. Mm-hmm. Which, if you do not know what it is, and you want to get books for your kid... They will give you books all the way from Thomas the Tank Engine as your first book when their kid is born, all the way to a prep for kindergarten. Not if you live in Washington. Yeah, they, it starts off with more like at-risk areas and they've been expanding it.
1: Washington or too far away. We are in Washington. We just, here's the thing about people on the East Coast. We just don't care that much about y'all. And, like, it's not a good thing. It's a thing that I think that people need to work on. But, like, it's, it's a three-day trip out there. Like, if I was going to go drive out there, it's, like, 36 hours of driving. I can be, from where I am right now, anywhere on the East Coast in, like, half a day. So, like... Sorry. That
2: just sounds like some salt, considering that the West Coast has just expanded our pop culture and everything. So
1: we get it. We have better music and movies. But you don't because Dolly Parton's Tennessee and she gives money to Moderna, apparently. And like they have a vaccine that's like 95% effective.
3: Side note, you can totally get Dolly Parton's library in your area. You just have to get a 501. You have to get it a nonprofit local to help sponsor it. So if y'all want to get her imagination library, you can get it started out there. And now I love it. I I love it. I love books and I love Dolly Parton. And I just love, so like, I think that's what made me happy. It's so just like, it's a more things of like Dolly Parton and Mr. Rogers, right? Like I, I need those people in my life sometimes because they're a reminder of like what things are like people can be like. Right.
1: Fame doesn't have to make you a jerk.
3: And you see Jolly Parton is just doing this awesome, like she's super generous and she doesn't often seek out notice for it. And so it's a big deal that somebody figured it out mostly, I think. Because like she often, other than her imagination library, she doesn't really
0: draw attention to herself. I, I just think of Chandler Bing's dad when I think of Dollywood.
1: She's got lots of money, wants to get rid of it, because what else does she need money for? And, you know, give it away best you can. Sometimes you get found out. Is Dollywood still a thing? I think so. I mean, it was closed because of COVID, but... Hopefully everything is closed. It's the South. Not everything's closed here. Except not so much. Movie theaters just opened back up here, okay? Not everything's closed here. I want to go to movie theaters so bad.
3: You know that line in Lord of the Rings where Boromir's really salty at the Fellowship of the Ring? Because he's like, by the blood of our people, are your lands kept safe? That's how I feel right now. (laughs) By the blood of our people, are your lands kept safe South and Midwest?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Except her land's not safe. It's their blood that's being lost.
3: I'm saying like all the shutting down, all of the doing all that stuff. We're like, we tried so hard.
1: Oh, yeah, their numbers are less because not everybody is South Dakota.
3: Yeah, they have like a 0.1% mortality for the entire state from this so far.
1: Yeah, population mortality is like a tenth of a percent there. And that's like, um, that's not good. Considering there's only like, what, 70 people who live in that state? 882,000. Yeah, so it's
3: almost, yeah, so basically they have almost 800 deaths and they only have, you know, less than a million people. So they're kind of not doing great.
1: Yeah. Is
2: that less than the population of Seattle?
1: Probably.
3: Close enough for Jazz.
1: Um, Seattle's population is 730,400. So it's it's pretty comparable. I say it's not, not quite, but close enough.
0: I mean, at the same time, we can't, it's like, it's like, what, three electoral votes?
1: It's about comparable. So Seattle, in its very little spot, is about as many people as, you know, the whole state of South Dakota. So it's fun. If you're in South Dakota, your your vote is worth three times as much for president. So that's always fun. Yeah, that's some bull crap. That's, that's some bull. <laughs>
3: <laughs> Wyoming, Wyoming has less people than the city of Denver. <laughs> people vote, not land.
1: <laughs> but land also, like, resources matter.
3: They do, but those people don't have control of the resources anyway, right? Like,
1: <laughs> I agree. I'm just saying, like, there's a, there's a certain point. Those people should have some amount of say and and maybe slightly more, but it should be the people who actually have control of resources should have a say, but you know, that's not how our system works.
3: I feel like we used to do that and we decided that only letting property owners vote was a bad choice.
1: It shouldn't be only. It should just be, you know, you know, like very small amount more by those people who literally own half a state.
3: We own a house. I get I get more of a vote, suckers.
1: I'm just kidding. Anyways, we we, sh- we need to move on. All right, so before we get started, as a disclaimer to any people who are listening with small children around, we are going to be having a conversation about cussing, what kind of cussing is appropriate, inappropriate, when it's okay, when it's not okay, those sorts of things. This is your warning. If you listen with children, there is a note that will tell you what time to jump to, so that way you can get to where you need to go. Also, Lindsay, what was the excited face there?
3: Oh, I just realized I was looking up, we were talking about swear words, and I looked up the Greek for skyballon, and I don't think I'd ever realized that it was a con like a combination of like follow, like throw, like ballistic, and kuon, which is dog. Um it's a very descriptive swear word um that the apostle Paul uses. That word filthy ra or fil- rubbish that Paul uses, it's Dog throwing <laughs> or dog like casting out it's scat right um
1: yep it's it's dog excrement, right? so
3: it's th- th- throwing shit basically that's what I was freaking out about. I never knew the kuan part, I knew what it meant, but I didn't knew how literally it was like, oh yeah, it's dog shit I'm too I'm too Texan I have a hard time bringing myself to say that
1: <laughs> all right,
0: oh, your Southern is showing, Lindsay, yeah, my Baptist is showing yep your ba- your Baptist is showing, I guess I should say. <laughs>
2: I, like, have come back. I, like, when I was eight is when I started cussing like a sailor.
1: Oof. That's maybe a little young. <laughs> oh,
2: hopefully my mom doesn't listen to this podcast, because I don't want her to know that.
1: Or maybe she will, but we didn't... We, she doesn't need to know that it was you. You can just say it was some guy, and it's Mike. I don't know.
0: Mike has a pretty distinguished voice. I, I, I could pick him out of a lineup even before he was on Marco Polo.
1: It's like me. People can tell that it's me, and it's like, okay... Whatever. So we're we're talking about cussing, which is an interesting thing. So there's all sorts of Bible verses that people mention about cussing. And a person who was prepared for this would have pulled one up before they started talking about that.
0: Isn't it like Ephesians 4? 4.29. Hey, I'm pretty sure we memorized that in, in the organization that we were
2: all a part of. I only know it because that's where Building 429 got their name from.
1: <laughs> See, I feel I feel left out because the only thing that I've ever done with... Ah! ...was, like, help organize some training events when I was working for facilities at Valley Forge.
0: Way to out the organization there, Caleb.
1: I'll bleep it out.
0: <laughs> and now we're all fired.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so, Ephesians Chapter 4... Verse 29.
0: So, your Caleb, your sound cut out, and it sounded like you said Asians. <laughs> Chapter 429.
1: <laughs> I can't fix the internet, okay? Like, I only have so much money, and cell service is worse than through the thing, so sorry. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up, as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who... Who here?
0: Okay, so I'm going to read a- another translation, just because I think as we're talking about swearing, I think it's helpful to have multiple translations of this. Which one did
1: you use? NIV? That was the ESV. Oh,
0: okay. Boo, and boo.
1: We are not, we are not complimentarians. <laughs> no, we're not. But it's sort of a hipster translation.
0: I'm going to read the NLT, just because I, I'm going to. 4:29, uh, Ephesians 4:29. Don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear
1: them.
3: So NRSV says, let no evil talk come out of your mouths, but only what is useful for building up, as there is need so that your words may give grace to those who hear.
1: All right, and so while we're at the world of different translations, um, the King James Version is, let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. So I think that the the other verse that's going to be relevant here is going to be Ephesians chapter 5, verses 3 to 5-ish. I'll read that from the NIV. But among you... There must not be even a hint of sexual immorality or any kind of impurity or of greed because these are improper for God's holy people. Nor should there be obscenity, foolish talk, or coarse joking, which are out of place, but rather thanksgiving. For of this you can be sure no immoral, impure, or greedy persons. for of this you can be sure no immoral, impure, or greedy person, such a person is an idolater, has an, any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. So there should be no obscenity, foolish talk, or coarse joking, which are out of place.
0: So, my question is, how do you define obscenity in the context of the letter that Paul was writing? What was he speaking to? And how do we take that and apply it to our current linguistic challenge?
1: Yeah, so let's let Mike talk about that because he has to leave in like eight minutes. Ugh. I do, I'm leading a staff meeting. Just skip. He's not physically going anywhere. He's simply logging into his different Zoom call, but... Yeah, that's, that's what's happening.
2: So my thoughts on, on cussing is like, what is the purpose and intent behind the word? As well as, if we're not going to say shit, but we say crap, is that not the same thing? So like... If I say flippin', I might as well say fuckin', because, like, it's the intent and, and the word, and that's what flippin' means. Same thing, like, that's what crap means, it's what dang means. Shoot, whatever, all the other words. And then in uh, the second verse you read, Caleb, it has foolish talk there, which in my mind falls into, like, not real facts, otherwise known as alternative facts, and other <laughs> other things that, like, are just not true and or helpful that maybe aren't cussing
3: yeah it includes lying in the list right after that
2: right like yeah and so i don't understand why the the it's always like oh you shouldn't say shit but like oh you know truth is you know irrelevant or whatever
1: yeah so that word foolish talk that you pull up is uh morologia, which translates to foolish talk as we can all obviously i don't know that much of the etymology besides that it's definitely word and whatever mora is.
0: Is that word pronounced etymology or etymology? Well, it's English,
1: it's however you say it.
3: The common pronunciation tends to be etymology, like you would consider standard to be etymology.
0: Unless you want to eat it, apparently.
3: So there's a linguist who talks about the five, so talking about swearing and cursing, there's uh, five punk like functions of swearing linguistically. Abusive swearing, so that's the kind that's meant to offend people, like it's meant to be, a, it's an attack, right? There's cathartic swearing, which there is actually research that shows like cursing actually like hurts less when you're in pain. Um, Like you can like, it's why people yell out curse words when they're hurt.
2: Like when I fell in my shower.
0: Well, and there's, there's something to be said about that. Like I did Taekwondo when I was younger and Nate did as well. And it's like, there's a reason why you yell when you
1: strike. So that Mora word is the same one that appears in Romans one twenty two, where it's the first part, but it's that same one where Paul says, claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images. It's that same kind of, foolishness so it's saying something that's wrong that's what foolish talk is
0: is it the same as in james when he talks about guarding your tongue against fool like is is that does he use the same word one of the things in regards to this like just as a as we're looking up verses and words that bothers me and i i didn't grow up in the church and so while um my childhood was much of a do as i say not as i do as far as like cussing because most of my family was retired truck drivers um Uh, Like, then when I got into my teen years, it was, like, swearing became more of, like, the funny love language type of thing.
3: That's one of the purposes of swearing, as mentioned by that linguist.
0: Like, it's more offensive, and I've always, and I've we've talked about this before, that, like, it's more offensive to me now as I've kind of wrestled with or gone back and forth. Like, it's more offensive to say you're an idiot to someone than it is to say I fucking love you. (laughs) Right? Like, that is... Uh, like that—that should be like an e- an easy consensus, and yet it's not because cussing has become like the the standard litmus test for like how good of a Christian you are. And I had a conversation with one of my youth kids uh, last March. It was like right before the shutdown. Like we were able to do all of our middle school retreat, like the weekend before Washington shut down. And, uh, and so then we, (laughs) I was, I was driving one of the students home and I just asked them how they felt about their relationship with Jesus. And their response was, well, I swear sometimes like that was the immediate, like, how's your relationship with Jesus? Well, I swear sometimes. And I just was, I was, I was shocked. But then I was also like kind of heartbroken that we have been like that, that has become the standard in which we in some way have communicated that we evaluate like our relationship with Jesus, which I think it, it matters the words that we use, right? Like we've, that, that has been something that we've talked about in our group um, of, of, of friends multiple times, like the words we use matter, right? And yet it seems like the church only cares what words you use if it's a cuss word <laughs> versus anything else. And that's going to be damaging. Like that is damaging to
1: people. Where foolish appears in James 2.20, um, that is a different word. That would be kenos, which is, you know, translated, it's foolish or stupid. But the thought there is that it's empty, like kenosis. It's a person that, it's, it's a mindless thing. Um, whereas the other is where they should know something, but they're speaking falsehoods. So in James, it's a person that doesn't know. And in this one, it's a person who knows and speaks uh, falsehoods. Maybe something like to I won the election.
2: but he did he said so
1: he named it and claimed it right obscenity foolish talk lying in that way coarse joking those are out of place we should not do those we should speak with thanksgiving and humility um what we don't see there what we don't see there is using words as a description it doesn't say you can't use this word list of adjectives which is what we've done
3: well that's like we see right when jesus talks about calling people a fool Right. Because then he later calls them fools. And you're like, wait, what? And it's like this idea of like the intent really matters. We see that so many times. Right. Like we look at the Old Testament. Jesus is like, yeah, don't commit adultery. Also, don't look on women lustfully. Right. Like we see that intent matters a lot. So I think it can always feel really confusing to people who they hear us talking about why certain words to talk about people aren't okay, but then we're okay with swearing. Right. Um, And they're like, I don't get what it feels like a disconnect. We're like, well, words don't matter except for when they do right? And we're like, yeah, but but we're distinguishing between when words are used like as intensifiers or as descriptions or in a kind of like lighthearted way, and they're not intending to hurt someone versus when you're using language to denigrate the image of God, right? Um, and so we're taking the Lord's name in vain. Like it's the other thing we see linked to this too, right? We're not just talking about using the name of God, but subverting people's will by basically Bible bashing them, right? We're like, well, God said this, and you're like, you know, so it's like, well, I prayed about it in this. And you're like, man, you can hear anything from God if you pray long enough. Mike has to go. All
1: right, Mike. We like having you on. One of these days, we'll have you on a whole a whole time, maybe. We'll see. All right. See y'all later.
3: Bye. Yeah, Dallas Willard says that he's um and this is in the Divine Conspiracy. The essence of swearing, because so this is when Jesus is talking about making oaths and swearing. So it's a little bit different, but we often people often reference it when we're talking about this, right? Um The essence of swearing or making oaths is to try to use something that, though impressive, is irrelevant to the issues at hand to get others to believe you and let you have your way. This is wrong and it is unlike God. And just making sure you perform on any promises made to God in the course of it does not make it right. Of course, you should keep the promises you made to God in any circumstances, but the wrongness of swearing lies deeper. We are making use of people trying to bypass their understanding and judgment to trigger their will and possess them for our purposes. And so, you know, basically we talk about, so we talk about swearing as in cursing and then swearing is in like kind of basically using God as a prop to get what we want. And I think that fits under that foolishness and that unwholesome talk. Um, and it's all like, how do we treat people? My husband talks about, you know, you hear an old church guy like hit his hand with a nail and be like, that gosh, nabbit, <laughs> right? Like it sounds so much more vulgar than we had a friend when we lived in Kansas and he sounded like a sailor. So there's a verb we use, and so we often use curse words as intensifiers, right? So they're like very or really, mm-hmm. right? So like we were talking about like effing or flipping, right? Like, and he did not use any of the musisms for it, right? And he just used it as an intensifier. So from him, it wasn't vulgar. I I, hear, I heard a story from a pastor once. They talked about someone who had like just started coming to their church and they, you know, like ra- God radically changed their life. And they're like, Jesus effing lit, man, right? And like, that's what they said, and I don't think it was wrong, right? They're like, this is how I express my joy. Like, this is the word I use to express it, right? Yeah. Are there awesome words in the English language? Yes. We also have kind of shitty words. Yeah, and they're appropriate for when things are terrible. Like, I hate it when you watch like a, like a Facing the Giants movie kind of thing or whatever. And it's like a war, like a war movie version of a Christian movie. And they're like, golly gee whiz, Mr. World War One is terrible. Like, no one talks like that in a trench because that language fits a World War One trench because it's hellish, right? Like. And so, like, that swearing in pain, like, it is the appropriate, it is timely for that moment because you're like, this is terrible and hellish and that is the best way to describe it. I think
0: we've, and it, it feeds into how we've oversimplified, and I know we've talked about this before and, and uh, it's a favorite soapbox of Lindsay's as well, we've added in the commandment of, like, not taking the Lord's name in vain to, like, this, the idea of of cussing or swearing and yet... I remember how how revelatory it was for me, and I remember like I was I was blown away. I think I forget which book it was. There's two books. It was either Celebration of Discipline or Disciplines of Grace, and I don't remember like which one it was. But uh, I think it was Disciplines of Grace that like went through and really dug into the Ten Commandments and what those actually were, what they meant to the original hearers. For example, like you know, good hermeneutics, Um, and uh, and and the main point was. Like we've oversimplified taking the Lord's name in vain um, and, and, and using Jesus Christ or saying, you know, God damn it or whatever um, as, as swear words, we're saying, Oh my God, when even like the deeper application of that is when, when we attribute something to God that is false. And, and that can look like attributing a political party to God. That's not his, that can look like saying, I remember one of my favorite examples when I would use about that was, um, when mentoring college students and they'd be like, I, you know, I really, I, I can't do core group. And, and uh kalfa this quarter because I really need to focus on my grades and I'm like interesting God, God wants me to really focus on uh, on on my grades and you'd say interesting that that like coincides with you getting a new boyfriend
3: <laughs> It's amazing how often that happens but but that is
0: I think more grievous towards or at least just as grievous of taking the Lord's name in vain and using it improperly as it is to like, say, Oh, my God, or whatever. And that's something that we the church is not like addressed well, it's way less offensive for me to quote Janice from friends and say, Oh, my God, than it is to, like, say, God told me something that isn't true.
1: Right. So the verse when I was a kid, that was always you can't say, Oh, my God, or anything like that it was going to be, you know, obviously, the Ten Commandments. Um, and of course, you got to do the Ten Commandments in the King James version. Naturally, thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless that taketh his name in vain. Oof. And that is that's the command, right? Um, a modern translation, NIV twenty eleven. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God.
3: Yep, that gets a lot scarier. <laughs>
1: and that is way more intense, right? It's it's not take the Lord's name in vain because like nobody knows what doing something in vain is. We don't even like that's not the way we speak, but it's like don't misuse it. Don't don't claim that God told you something when he didn't. Don't claim that God didn't tell you something when he did, right? Don't claim to be doing something for the interest of God when you're doing it for your own selfish interest. That's what it's talking about. Don't have some crazy intense prayer rally just because you're upset that your political person didn't win. That is taking the Lord's name in vain because that is not honoring God's sovereignty. That is trying to control God to do what you want. That is breaking the commandment. And God will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses his name. That's what the Ten Commandments say. It's not about saying fuck. It's not about saying damn. It's not about saying goddamn plate that just shattered on the floor because I dropped it, right? That's not what it's talking about. It's talking about claiming to do something under God's banner or under God's name when you are not, and you're doing it for your own interest or in the interest of worldly power. And that is a whole soapbox that I could go off on for a long time. But it's important that we recognize that the thing that is sin, the thing that is bad is claiming God's authority when we are acting in our own.
3: Yeah, John Walton, the, so the NIV Cultural Context Study Bible, it's like John Walton and Craig Keener. They have a note, basically, they compare the idea of misusing the name of the Lord to identity theft. Like exactly what you're saying. They're like, you're misrepresenting who is actually doing this. Yeah. Um, so they are talking about misusing the name of the Lord. They're like, yeah, this is basically identity theft. And the NIV said, you shall not make wrongful use of the name of the Lord, your God, for the Lord will not acquit anyone who misuses his name. And you understand then in the New Testament, why people who are teaching and speaking have a higher, like the idea of a higher standard is not because they're like more important, but if they're claiming to speak on behalf of God, they better be right. <laughs> That's what we're talking about. So we're talking about all the standards and things like that. It's not like, oh, you're important now. It's like, no, like this matters. And if I misquote, like it's the same way that if someone speaks on the behalf of a world leader, like we expect them to speak You until recently to actually represent what they said, <laughs> right? We're like...
1: <laughs> well, no, we still do, right? When Donald Trump says something, he speaks on behalf of the U.S. and on behalf of the U.S. military. So our people stationed around the world have to work with international partners? Like, do you really think that we're a shithole country? Like, they have to deal with that. And that's still the way it is.
3: And so, yeah, it's like, we can't, so we can't misuse that, right? So it's like, it's the same reason there's a thing a while back where the Hillsong person was liking um, Democrat tweets or whatever, right? And they got in a lot of trouble for it because they liked something where there was cursing. Remember, y'all remember that? Like, and it's like, they were, in that moment, they were on their Hillsong account acting on like that, or was it Bethel? It was somebody.
1: Oh yeah, no, it was Hillsong, Hillsong posted something, but they, they, you know how easy that is to do though? Like,
3: but the people freaked out because in that moment they thought that person was, Because they were speaking on behalf of Hillsong, right? And so it's like, yeah, so we're talking about misusing the name of God, like taking his name in vain. We're not talking like we, I know we're repeating ourselves, but it's like, if you get nothing, remember this. We're not talking about like the language we use, but how we use it. And then also like, are we claiming something that we just can't, right? So there's like, there's, you know, some of the Old Testament's like Jeremiah and things like that. There's other court prophets who are like, it's going to be fine. Like, it's totally going to be fine. And Jeremiah's like, (laughs) about that, guys. And like the prophets who are speaking false prophecies get in a lot of trouble. Right? God's like, yeah, y- y'all can't do that. Which I think is telling, right? Because we can't just claim that God is saying something unless we're sure that God is saying it.
0: I think it's important as far as like when we're talking about cussing and stuff that it's like if someone chooses in their own conscience... I need to not use these words because they're usually derogatory to someone or like, that's totally fine. It just needs to not be like the holiness litmus test. And like I told my lead pastor once, I I got my finger stuck in the recliner mechanism of one of our chairs because it's one that you would just like push back on. Not it doesn't have a lever. And my best friend and my daughter were sitting in the chair and I was trying to help them like pull it out. So I used my hand and pulled it. And as it snapped up, like my, my ring finger got caught, got stuck in the mechanism and legit stuck. Like, and I was like, son of a bitch. <laughs> as my daughter is like right there with my best friend, which made it funnier. Cause she's like, she's a nurse. She's a combat medic. She's like miss reaction to, you know, aware of everything reacts quickly. And she's like, what happened? Like, like both of them are watching frozen and like not paying attention to the fact that my finger is like stuck in the chair. And I- pushed the seat down and I got it unstuck. And and then I told Gary about it because I was like, yeah, this will be, you know, so if, if my daughter starts walking around Kids Life saying, son of a bitch, like, then <laughs> you know where it came from. <laughs> and, and, he, and we just, like, had a grand old laugh about it. Like, it wasn't a, a big deal. Um, but it, like, it needs to not be this, like, hierarchy of like good christian based on the language that you use
1: so i think that there is another i think there's another aspect to this though right like there's 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 the verses in ephesians it's like no obscene talk no foolish talk don't say things that like look bad to the people you're talking to whatever don't say things that are lies don't don't claim to be saying something on behalf of god when you're not and then the other part of this that's going to be really important is going to be honoring god and what we say right inside of the ten commandments it talks about how we should not make an idol for ourselves right we don't make an image for to worship because we bear god's image right every single person is an image bearer of god and as a result of that each person deserves to be treated with dignity and respect and with love And not denigrated to a position that is any less than fully recognized as the image of god it doesn't matter how mean they are whatever whether they're your enemy or whatnot like every single person is created in the image of god um you know a couple days ago my facebook memories because you know facebook does that they remind you of things um, I was listening to conservative talk radio because you know, I want to listen to what people are saying. and it was a call-in show, and somebody had called in after some two Muslims had killed four people in a uh, had, had killed four Jewish people in Israel, right? had killed priests or rabbis, not priests because they're not Catholic, um had killed four rabbis. and they had called in and somebody had called in and said that the people that did that, those two Muslim men who were then dead, were no better than cockroaches and we should just destroy all of them. Yeah, that's super, that's actually vulgar. And like, this is a Christian calling in to conservative talk radio. And like, that's what I heard. And so, you know, me on my iPhone six years ago, five or six years ago, like I'm now upset and angry. I post this long thing about how that is the exact opposite of the Christian thing to do. Like, It doesn't matter what they did. They are human beings created in the image of God who are loved by him. And we should be sad both that they killed people and that they were killed in response. Both parts break God's heart because both are loved and created by him and they deserve dignity and respect. And so even when we kill our enemies, if that is necessary, we are to mourn because we have destroyed the image of God.
0: I think this is something that has bothered me about... And, and it bothered me, like, you know, s- four years ago when President Trump, well, it was clear, had won the election and I had super liberal friends who, like, refused to call him by his name or um, called him the orange man or just called him 45 and wouldn't, like, use his name or, or, or made fun of his appearance or just name-called, like, those things. It's like, I wasn't pleased that somehow... Donald Trump had become our president because it just seemed overwhelming. Um, Like, how did this happen? But at the same time, you're still denigrating, you're still dehumanizing or like uh, removing the humanity from someone by, by name calling by, and similarly now, (laughs) that President Trump has been dethroned, so to speak, and President-elect Biden. And now, and now on the flip side, I have conservative friends who, who I know are professing Christians, who I know are and and are always saying, call, calling Biden Sleepy Joe or like making comments about his mental acumen and insinuating things. And it's a really, I think, practical example currently of you can disagree with their policies. You can disagree with like their rhetoric and the way they speak to and about people. You can call that out and like Hold them accountable for that. You can hold other Christians kind of feet to the fire as far as like we need to do this, but you don't get to demean and and minimize their humanity simply because you disagree with their politics. and And I see Christians doing it. I feel, I see people doing it on all sides, which is not okay.
3: Actually, it, it was exactly where I was. I was I actually was going to build off what you were saying because um, I think. What's really cool is, and I think what ties everything back together, or at least for me ties some of it back together, is the words that I'm uncomfortable with are the words that denigrate people, right? So words that are insults towards a person and their situation and things like that, like those are curse words that I am not as comfortable with. Um, honestly, words, I <laughs> see I can't even bring myself in. Yeah, so like words like bitch or bastard, not okay. I, those make me deeply more uncomfortable than some of the others we've been talking about, right? Because that's those are insults that are in, directly aimed at people, Mm-hmm. So in the same way, those words, I'm like, eh, maybe not so much, you know, because it's it's designed to attack a person, right? In the same way that slurs and pejoratives for ethnicities or classes or gender, right? All of those are designed to attack, you said, the image of God. And those are unacceptable.
0: Unless you're actually breeding dogs.
3: Yeah, right. Unless you're talking about a female breeding dog, then you're, that's, that's what we call it, right? Like mine. <laughs> Right. And so it's like, and it gets questionable when we get to things like, so Bottom and A Midsummer Night Dream, right? The whole joke is he has an ass's head not bottoms and Bottom's an ass, but, right? And he's also making a fool of himself through the whole play, right? And so you're like, you're like, you know, that's kind of like right there on that line. You're like, maybe this is like, because this is attacking him as a person, right? Um, and the whole joke is that he's a moron. While it is funny, it's not funny. Like, you're like, it's not great. Cause you're like, oh man, oh, that was not great. And so I feel like, so when we talk about cursing and swearing, like that's for me, like that's when I think of, that's how I'm not okay with people using like racial epithets, right? But I'm, and I'm, I'm okay with some curse words, right? I'm like, well, as long as they are not attacking a person at their identity. I don't know if that makes sense or not, but I think that's, so it ties into like how we talk, we don't have to use a vulgar word to do that though. And the problem is we seem to only think people are doing that when they use like words we already call swear words, right? but not when they say things that are subtle and like a jab that's more hidden.
0: I don't know. My band director always said bitchin' in a, in a, you know, when we were playing a good jazz funk piece and we didn't, he'd be like, that was, that was just bitchin'. Like there's no other word for
1: it.
3: But that's not attacking a person anymore.
1: I am less concerned with which words people use than I am how they use them. Right. Because the the common theme with all of this is all of the words can be the same. Right. Like, I can use all of the right words and talk about the great things that God's doing in my life, or I can use those same words and talk about things that God hasn't done in my life and give him credit for it. And the one is a sin and the other isn't. I can use all of the same words. I could say that somebody did something that was fucking amazing and like, that's a good thing, right? But if I say that somebody is an amazing fuck up, that is horribly degrading, right? So the word itself is not the problem. The problem is how the word is used. And when we use a word in a sinful way, then it is sinful. But the word itself is not the problem. It is how the word is used. And I think that's the thing that we miss in our holiness mindset.
3: Almost like for everything, there is a season.
1: right. We've said, no, 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 no. We just need to do the right behavior. We need to do the right thing. And so then we are good. But no. It matters more the content of your heart, the way you do it, whether your allegiance is to Jesus, than it is whether or not you use the word that seems bad to some people in your culture. If the word was universally considered bad, it would be different. But those words aren't even universally considered bad, as is evidenced by the fact that people continue using them, right? There was a word in this country for a long time and still is in some places that starts with an N that's used to refer to African-Americans, right? The N word, so to speak. That word is now universally not accepted anywhere. Like, okay, that word would be bad to use at all because it's universally condemned, right? And it's used to denigrate people. But fuck, shit, damn, bitch, not inherently problematic how we use them can be problematic. And if I lose my credentials with the AG when this comes out, y'all know what happened.
0: I don't think anybody listens to it. I don't think anybody listens to it who would report you.
3: That's how low it is. And I think that's telling too, right? He uses it for emphasis to prove what he's trying to say.
1: Which which verse, Philippians 3?
3: 3.8, so this is in RSV. More than that, I regard everything is lost because of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I suffered the loss of all things and I regard them as rubbish, which is the word we were talking about, in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but one that comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness of God, based on faith. King James calls it actually
1: dung. So that's about what I was going to get to um, is King James calls it dung. The NIV calls it garbage. uh, The ESV calls it rubbish.
0: The message compared to the high privilege of knowing Christ Jesus as my master firsthand, everything I thought, I once thought I had going for me is insignificant. Dog dung. So it actually says dog dung, not...
1: Right, because it, it's it's scubalong right? Like, that is literally what comes out of a dog. That's what it means. So when, when Paul is saying this, like, that is a word that he's basically saying, everything that I do on my own is dog shit. That's what he's saying if we were going to Put it into like the American words, we would say bullshit because, you know, that's what we use here. We don't talk about dog excrement. Oh, I haven't put these in the chat yet. Hold on. This is what happens. We're real well put together. I haven't even sent these to people ahead of time.
3: It means you get genuine reactions. So.
1: There you go. You can, uh, you already know though. You're just gonna be sad. So. You know, a few weeks ago, there was a whole thing where we voted for the president of the United States in in America. It was a thing. It's happened every four years for the past couple hundred years. And for the past, uh, since 1972, the New York Times has done exit polls. And so, you know, they've been doing it for a long time. It makes their exit polls pretty good. Good, pretty reliable they are still subject to some amount of change um these are preliminary estimates we should say but they're less preliminary than what they were a week ago um so they've still gotta finish doing things because it's so see- like this kind of work takes a while the academy is slow but we can get some initial reactions about what people thought who voted for trump who voted for biden and since you guys are just looking at this for the first time, um, what is your guess, if you haven't already looked, at the percentage of evangelicals that uh, voted for Trump?
3: 70% of evangelical men who were white. 89% of evangelicals total.
1: Okay, so white evangelicals, 76%.
3: More than I wanted, but less than I feared.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so that is down from last year, or four years ago, at 81 percent okay so like that that is that is down right what percentage of people in 2019 of household income above a hundred thousand dollars do you think voted for trump i'll give you a hint it's the only group that's above 50 percent.
3: oh so 52 percent. this one seems like it could be split because democrats tend to be higher earning on average because they're higher educated but there's also if you get to hyper wealthy that tends to ski republican again
1: yeah, so 54% of those above $100,000 voted for Trump versus 42% were 50 to 100,000 and 44% for those under 50,000. This one's interesting today. Um, compared to for answered the statement compared to 4 years ago, is your finan- family's financial situation better today? What percentage do you think voted for Trump if their financial situation is better today? Than it was four years ago.
3: 45%. I think they probably went blue. I think more people voted for Biden.
1: No, if they're better, if they're better financially, you think they went blue?
3: I'd
0: say we did.
1: For people who were better today, they did 72% for Trump. If it was worse today, they went 77% for Biden. And if it was about the same, they went 65% for Biden.
0: Yeah, I guess our our ours isn't like the best uh, indicator for it because we're in like the... The age of life where you move up in the world, so to speak, or like Nate got a new job and like we had had things that weren't affected by the government that increased our standard of living.
1: So you guys can pull it up. I, I might have one more question to see something that'd be fun. Um, obviously, people who were in labor unions voted more for Biden than for Trump. Not shocking. Urban people voted more for Biden versus rural people voting more for Trump but you you can pull it up it's it's interesting to look at exit polls right
3: first year voting is interesting it, it's under the military and the household yeah 64 yeah so the 2020 64% of first time voters voted for Biden and only 32% of first time voters voted for Trump and that was 14% of the voters total that were polled it
1: was first time voters Right. I'm looking to see if they asked that question in 2016, because I, I wonder how that compares.
3: Voter disenfranchisement strongly benefits, <laughs> has historically strongly benefited one group, and it's usually the conservatives.
0: <laughs> I saw a headline and I read it, read, read, like, skimmed through it briefly, about um, how essentially like, Trump's rhetoric regarding the, un- the unsafeness of <laughs> mail-in voting actually might have cost him Georgia. Because fewer Republican voters like mailed in, like did mail in voting this year, because they were concerned about mail in voting, and so I just thought that was fascinating. That like the the voting rhetoric that oh this this isn't safe this isn't isn't safe very much could have been the thing that like cost him the election in Georgia
1: at least. I think something that's super interesting here is you know the which one of these issues is the most important to you this year the list is racial inequality, the coronavirus pandemic, the economy, crime and safety, and healthcare policy. Last year, foreign policy, immigration, the economy, and terrorism. That question tends to show the shift in in the culture, like what matters this year versus 4 years ago. 4 years ago, nobody gave, nobody was talking about racial inequality. Obviously the pandemic wasn't a thing. So like, that's obviously not a thing. Four years ago, we were talking about immigration. Nobody's talking about immigration this year.
3: That's because they're calling it crime and safety because it's the same thing they did before. They use the fear mongering of the other, right? It's just, if that makes sense. Like, cause we're like, Immigration, ah, scary immigrant caravans. And now it's like those pro- rioters destroying things in the cities, right? Like we're we're doing the same thing. They just shifted the target.
1: I agree. I'm just saying, like the rhetoric is different now. Now we're worried about people inside the country. That's the crime and safety rhetoric versus terrorism and foreign policy, immigration.
3: Well, it's because they successfully like destroyed the ability to get visas. Like we, you know, international student enrollment is like down incredibly low because it's so hard to get visas to come to the United States right now.
1: And a ton, and a ton of them were. Even though, like, they reversed the policy, a whole crap ton of them were afraid that they'd be kicked out of the country part w- through this year. So they went ahead and left. Like, I would have. I think
0: it's really interesting. One of the ones is the college education level and race and education. So, like, white non-college graduates were the highest Trump voter and uh, in that thing versus, like, the highest cut. Granted, one for Biden is non-white, non-college <laughs> graduates. So I, w- w- what I'm finding... Interesting about that is it seems like on the spectrums, lack of college education seems to at least have a have a correlation, maybe not causation, but correlation to being on more of like extreme sides, like you get polarized to one side or the other more than being like a moderate in the middle.
3: So I found a Pew research from earlier in October, so it's not the exit polls, but it still gives some of a breakdown. I'll send y'all the link. But it's basically, um, so I think this is what I saw before. So it's, you know, it was a month before the election and COVID kind of ramped up then and it changed some things. With um, But all US registered voters, 42% to Trump, 52% to Biden. Um, white evangelical Protestants, 78%. So white evangelical Protestants, 78% to Trump. White, event, not evangelical, but Protestants is split down the middle almost, but still leans toward Trump. White Catholic also leads to Trump. However, black Protestant, 90% to Biden and 9% to Trump
1: which is like that's how it always is. Um and I think link the in the show notes like
0: uh Phil and Sky did the video about like why white protestants vote republican and why like black protestants tend to vote um a democrat, I think.
1: So I think that what's what's interesting here though that I want to pull out that we can see um there was a shift in evangelicals between four years ago, and this year, 5%. Um, and, and 5% might seem small, but a 5% shift in political party affiliation, when everybody knows that's the real religion of America, that's a big deal. That kind of a shift is a big deal.
0: I think it speaks to, I know, it's been, it's been infuriating when there, there were the people who voted for Trump back in the 2016 election with the mentality of, oh my gosh, I'm going to like hold my nose, and like I'll, we'll deal with it. Who then like jumped on the Trump train, and which was infuriating because I was like, well, you're not holding him accountable to like being a better human, like we should. But then um, the the flip side of that is that then there 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 are I think plenty of people who also went the other direction that five percent indicates there, there were enough people who went the other direction who went <laughs> pardon my pardon my language but <laughs> f this i can't get on board like i voted for him when holding my nose like dealing with it because i felt like i didn't it was a lesser of two evils thing but now seeing the damage that he has done and like the dangerous rhetoric like i'm out i can't um what the second second Number second highest number of votes in the history of elections, <laughs> um, but but that five percent drop, he lost the election.
3: So
1: yeah, and he got ten percent fewer military votes than four years ago.
3: Yeah, that's telling.
1: He still got more than fifty percent, right? And that was before anybody knew. Like the election happened before he started pulling people out of Afghanistan, and I know a lot of people who are not happy that we are doing that. So I think, it's, I, I think that I'm actually a little bit encouraged by the exit poll numbers, right? 76% of people who claim to be evangelicals or born again voted for Trump. And like that sounds like a lot of people to join Trumpism. But a 5% decrease is not nothing. And I, I think that that does possibly mean that Matt was right. And evangelical as a word might only be dead for 50 years. All right, so... I think that probably that's us talking about an exit poll because I didn't have any other news stories and I thought it'd be fun to sort of talk about that. So do you guys have any other thoughts about what, what these exit polls tell us? Um, obviously people who thought that Trump was the worst president voted for Biden and people who thought that Biden would be a worst president voted for Trump. Those are always in the 90th percentile. So like, what are, what are your concluding thoughts before we sign off? You've only had the last like 15 minutes to think about it. And I didn't know, and you didn't know I was going to ask that question. So
3: I think for me, it's reinforced how important really understanding theologically the idea of image of God and what that means, and then what it means to be an image bearer, and what it means for the church to be the body of Christ in the temple, right? Because how we do all those things then should impact this stuff. And so like in the same way, we can't denigrate people with our language and curse at them. Like neither should the systems that we participate in help denigrate and attack the image of God by desecrating his image. And so we have to be participating in things in such a way that we are taking care of the poor, the widow, the stranger, the orphan, right? The immigrant, right. Is the other word for stranger. Um, And I think there has to be, some kind of reconciliation that doesn't just mean pretending like it never happened and moving on. I think there has to be a reckoning with the American church and we have to, we can forgive, but we also have to bring healing and we have to move forward and just ignoring it isn't actually forgiving. Um, so I know there's been a lot of talk for just like, okay, well, we'll forgive and move on. And we're like, we, well, we can't build bridges if the other people are burning them down. Right, like we have to be working to like, to work together, we have to actually stop the pain from, you can't be like, oh, we're gonna work together where someone's like actively hurting someone, right? And so I, for me, it's revealed, yeah, just that we have, there's so many people we still have to address before we can actually like do some stuff.
1: I I think that something that speaks to that is that um, of this poll, 69% of people said that the most, or racism in the US is the most important problem or one of many important problems. 30% 30% of those voted for Trump, 68% voted for Biden, Twenty-nine or 28% said a minor problem, that racism is a minor problem or no problem at all. And of those 28%, 84% voted for Trump. So there's a cognitive dissonance of those who recognize that America has a racist past and present, and, and there's not a willingness to address that.
0: I'm torn about it, about kind of my f- final thoughts, only because I, on the one hand, I'm I'm encouraged by by kind of the the drop in some numbers, the different things, and yet then simultaneously really discouraged by by other um, numbers of it. And I think like what Lindsay was saying of of having better education and like discipleship focus of uh, uh, as far as like what it means to the church, um, that recognizes that we are not like to be. People of a party, um, but we are people of a kingdom. And uh, I appreciated what what our, my lead pastor said in his message the Sunday before and after the election was like it would be better for our Christian witness and better for the kingdom for us to be involved in issues versus to be involved in parties and like recognize that there are there are so many issues in our country that need like that need voices to, to, to jump in and to speak to it, whether it's like racism issues, whether it's taking care of single parents and, um, or like, whether it's, whether it is getting tools into the hands of single moms so they don't choose abortion, whether it is like, there's, there's, um, there's all these niches that we can fulfill within the church. If we aren't so stuck to a political party that says that this has to be the thing that I'm, um, affiliated with. And so I would love to see like that be the focus and the shift within, within our denomination fellowship and the church as a whole to focus more on issues and not tie those to party um, and encourage our people to get involved on local levels, um, get involved with your local crisis pregnancy Thing, or get involved with the backpack programs and the food pro- pantry programs that are there locally, and uh, so I—I I guess I just wish that hope and hope for the church to make more steps towards true unity versus uniformity.
1: I think that's—I think that's probably good. Um, so I think I think the problem that we have is we have a duopoly, and our two-party system more or less randomly distributes which, which issues, which issues go to which party. And so the problem is that we need to be people of the kingdom of God that seek His will regardless of party, rather than commit ourselves to some party, which may or may not align with Christian values. Thanks for listening to the Barely Save Podcast. Make sure to subscribe
2: using your favorite podcast app. You can find more episodes, links, and show
1: notes at Balysavepodcast.com. Bye.
3: Okay,
1: bye. bye. I don't back down from fights like that, though, because that's
3: this is why I don't have Facebook enabled right now is because I Lindsay also can't back down from fights like that. I cannot. My husband calls it Joan of Arcing whenever I start fights. Well, I, don't, I also start them.